The scripture reading is Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. In these, this chapter, Jesus is coming closer to the end of his earthly ministry, and he tells a parable to his disciples about forgiveness. We read this in connection with Lord's Day 51. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall, I, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. When he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down, worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. So far do we read God's holy word. On the basis of that passage and many others, we have the instruction of Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 51. Lord's Day 51, which is the fifth petition? And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That is, be pleased for the sake of Christ's blood, not to impute to us poor sinners our transgressions, nor that depravity which always cleaves to us, even as we feel this evidence of thy grace in us, that it is our firm resolution from the heart to forgive our neighbor.
We need to pray for forgiveness daily. There are many in the church world today who do not pray for forgiveness daily. They say that we are already forgiven, so we do not need to pray for forgiveness every day. You might hear that. You might hear others pray and they don't pray for forgiveness really at all. Well, that's not right. That view is wrong. Jesus calls us to pray, forgive us our debts in the Lord's Prayer, which is the model prayer. We are to pray for forgiveness daily, just as we pray for daily bread and are to pray for deliverance from evil every day. Why? The truth is that we sin daily. So we are to pray for forgiveness daily. As those who sin daily, we need to hear God's declaration to our conscience that we are forgiven. In the way of praying for forgiveness, God declares to our conscience that we are forgiven. Now forgiveness is something that we especially feel the need to pray for after having prayed the previous petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Think of the first four petitions of the Lord's Prayer that you've gone through recently in recent recent sermons. When we pray, hallowed be thy name. It strikes us that we have so often failed to hallow God's name. And then we pray, thy kingdom come. And again, it strikes us that we so often fail to serve the king. And we pray, thy will be done. And we see that we have so often failed to obey the will of God's command and submit to the will of God's decree. And we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And we realize how ungrateful we have so often been for God's provision. So praying the first four petitions reminds us that we are sinners and we deserve to die for those sins. Die forever in hell. So forgiveness we see is something we need. Today let's learn more about the fifth petition. And may the Holy Spirit work in us through the word to pray for forgiveness daily. Let's consider the text under the theme Praying for forgiveness. Praying for forgiveness. First, our desperate cry. And second, our resulting determination. Praying for forgiveness. First, our desperate cry. We cry to God, forgive us our debts. And there's a need to cry out for forgiveness because we have debts or sins. In the parable in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus speaks of a servant that is in debt to a king. And that helps us to understand our debt, our sin. The servant was given certain gifts by the king that he was to use in the king's service. This servant in the parable was really a steward. 
And the king, at any time, could call his servants to give account of how they had used these gifts that he had given to them. Now, this particular servant in the parable had misused the money that the king had given to him. And this servant now owed the king an enormous amount of money. We read that he owed the king 10,000 talents. And in today's money, that's billions of dollars. It was an amount that the servant would never be able to pay back, even after many lifetimes of work. The king called the servant before him, and the servant had to give account of his use of the king's gifts. And this king was just, so he certainly could demand repayment. This servant was guilty, and he now had a massive debt. A debt is what you owe someone when you have not paid what is required. This servant had a debt. A massive amount of money he owed to the king. That servant in the story is an illustration of someone who has sinned and is in debt to God. Now, we do not owe God any money. Kids understand that clearly. We do not owe God any money, but we do owe to God perfect obedience all of the time. Since God made us, we owe everything to God, everything that we are, everything that we have. We are to live a life of perfect obedience to Him, devoted to Him. We're to love Him all the time. When one sins, disobeying God, one has not paid what he owes. He has not perfectly obeyed God. And therefore, he has a debt to God. Now you understand why Jesus calls sin debt in the Lord's Prayer. One who sins, disobeying God, has not paid to God what he owes, he's in debt. And we have a massive amount of debt to God, just like that servant in the parable had a massive amount of debt that he owed to the king. We sin every day. 1 John 1 verse 10 says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him, that is God, a liar, and his word is not in us. And just to see the fact that we sin every day, many, many times per day, think for a moment, or ask yourself, the, yourself this, these questions. Did I seek the glory of God and the good of my neighbor in everything that I said last week? No. And... Did I seek the glory of God and the good of my neighbor in all my thoughts last week? No. And kids, you ask yourselves, did I honor my parents every time that I talked to them or saw them last week? No.
It's not only that we commit actual sins either, but we also each have a sinful nature. Question and answer 126 speaks of our transgressions, and that's referring to our actual sins we commit in this life, and then it refers to our depravity which always cleaves to us. And that depravity which always cleaves to us is referring to the sinful nature that we have within us. Because we sinned in Adam, a sinful nature was passed down to each of us. And since we sinned in Adam, we are responsible for that nature that is opposed to God, that does not love Him. Having committed actual sins and having a sinful nature, you see that we have many debts. And that's why Jesus in the Lord's Prayer calls us to pray, forgive us our debts, in the plural. He does not say, forgive us our debt, but he calls us to pray, forgive us our debts. Remember, we are obligated to give to God perfect obedience all of the time, perfectly loving him from the heart. And we haven't just failed to do that once, but we failed to do that trillions of times. We have trillions of sins. We have debts. Now, sin and debt bring misery to us. We have to see why this is so bad, this debt. We are miserable sinners who cannot pay our way out of that debt. A servant who has a debt of 10,000 talents and has no income independent of of the sovereign king, he has no way to pay off even a cent of that debt. Well, we owe God... Perfect obedience all of the time, but we cannot pay even one bit of what we owe. Remember, we each have a sinful nature. And having a sinful nature, we do not obey God perfectly. Even our best works are stained with sin. Each time that we do not obey God perfectly, we add to the debt. So what are we doing every day We're adding to the debt, and the debt gets bigger. As indebted sinners, we deserve to be punished. If a person in the past was in debt, he received a great, great punishment. And that's shown to us in the parable that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 18. Verse 25, Jesus says, But for as much as he had not to pay... His Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. If a man was in debt, his property was sold, his wife and his children were sold into slavery, and he was put in prison. And verse 34 speaks of being sent to the tormentors. That's what would happen to this man who was in debt, sent into prison, and the the men there would torment him. Now, being in debt to God, you need to understand, and I need to understand, being in debt to God is even more serious. The punishment 
is far more serious than even being sent to the debtor's prison and being tortured there. You see, God is the holy God who utterly hates sin. And so a sinner who has not paid what he owes, he goes to hell. Eternal, everlasting hell. Where the fire's not quenched. Where each moment is worse than the last. There's no hope. Now we see our sins today and we know we are in debt to God as sinners and that we deserve to die. We deserve that punishment of hell. That reality is in our conscience when we sin. That reality, we have not paid to God what we owe. I have debts. I'm guilty. I deserve to be cast into hell. Now, men who are in debt and miserable react in various ways. Some men live in denial of their debt to God. They refuse to believe that they have a debt or that that debt is really as huge as God says it is. They will avoid the one to whom they owe as much as possible. And that's really what the servant in the parable was doing. He was one who was in debt but was avoiding the king as much as possible. He avoided him until he was called to give account by the king. And that's what some men do today as well until they are called by God to give account of their life through the preaching of the word. They live in denial of their debt before God. So some men live in denial. Other men live in fear of their debt before God. They hate to be reminded of it. They run away from God and from his word, and if they hear it, they hate it. And still other men will try to make a deal with God to get out of that debt. That's what the servant in the parable did. He really tried to make a deal with the king. He didn't ask for forgiveness. Notice that. Didn't ask for forgiveness, he asked for more time. More time and then I'll pay you back, king. Verse 36, the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Well, that's the response of some men today to God. They are called to give account of their life to God through the preaching of the word. They see their debt then, but they do not ask for forgiveness. Instead, they really ask God for more time. Start going to church more. I'll pray more. I'll do this or that nice thing for someone else. Really saying, I'll pay back what I owe. They try to pay the debt themselves. By the grace of God, though, the Christian sees his debt. The Christian is, he sees his debt, he sees that he's miserable himself, and he prays for forgiveness. He prays the fifth petition. And may we, by the grace of God, see our debt today. May we pray this fifth petition. 
Now that fifth petition is this. In the fifth petition, the Christian prays, forgive us our debts. Let's understand that. We pray, forgive us our debts. In this petition, we first of all are confessing that we have debts. When we say forgive us our debts, we are acknowledging that we have not obeyed God as he commands us to obey him. We are saying, oh God, I owe thee perfect obedience all the time. I have not paid what I owed. I've sinned. I've committed actual sins and I have a sinful nature. So we are acknowledging the debt. And also, when we even use that word debt, we are acknowledging that we deserve punishment for our sins. We're saying we're debtors, and that means that we deserve to be punished. So think about those things when you pray, forgive us our debts. Don't rush. Jesus gives to us Words to pray. Think upon those words that he has given to us. Pray, Father, we have debts as those who have sinned against thee. And we deserve terrible punishment. So in this fifth petition, we acknowledge that we have debts. And we also ask for forgiveness for those debts. What's forgiveness? Forgiveness is God's declaration to us that our debt is removed. Our debt is removed from our legal record. That word forgive that is used throughout Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35, that word means in the original language to remove, to loose, to release, to send away, When God forgives, he announces to our conscience, he says, your debt is removed. Your debt is sent away. I will not remember these debts and hold them against you. I will not let those debts hinder our relationship. The Catechism speaks of forgiveness this way. It says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That is, be pleased for the sake of Christ's blood not to impute to us poor sinners our transgressions, nor that depravity which always cleaves to us. So according to the Catechism, when God forgives, He does not impute, that is, He does not credit to us our sins or our debts. He doesn't doesn't credit that to our legal record. When God forgives, he declares your debt is removed. Your debt's gone from your legal record. And in the fifth petition, that's what we're praying for. We're asking God for forgiveness. God, declare to me that my debts are removed. Declare to me that I am not guilty in thy sight. My sins are gone, sent away from my legal record. Now that prayer for forgiveness, that implies that we want God to declare us to be righteous before Him. We need the positive. We need God to declare us to be debt-free, that is, without sin in His sight. 
But we positively, we need God to declare to us that we are righteous. That is, those who have perfectly obeyed him. Why do we need that? Why do we need that positive side? Well, there is eternal life only for those who have perfectly obeyed him. That is, perfectly fulfilled the obligation that he has given to them. Only those who are perfectly righteous in his sight have eternal life with him forever. And so we pray, forgive us our debts. That is declared to us that our debts are gone, they're removed. And we are implying in that prayer, declare to us, Lord, that we are righteous. Credit perfect obedience to my account. Now think of what a bold cry that is. And to understand how bold that is, think about the situation of the parable. That servant, he had misused so much money that he owed the the king billions of dollars, 10,000 talents. Now think of that servant then going to and asking the king and saying, don't make me pay that, that debt. Don't make me pay that debt, king. Send it away and credit to my account the positive balance of 10,000 talents. What a bold request. Send that debt away and credit to me positively billions of dollars. Well, that's what we ask in spiritual terms in the fifth petition. Declare to me that my trillions of sins are gone. Do not credit those sins to my account. Instead, declare to me that I'm perfectly righteous before thee, rich in righteousness in thy sight. What a bold request. The only basis for this forgiveness that we desperately need, the only basis is Jesus Christ's work. We cry out that God would forgive us for Jesus' sake. So we do not pray that God would forgive us by ignoring the sin. God is just. And no just king would ever say, well, it doesn't matter that you disobeyed the law. A just judge demands payments for debts. And if the just God is going to forgive a debt, there must be a payment. Also, we do not pray that God would forgive us based on something that we do or will do. We cannot perfectly obey God and pay to Him what we owe. And therefore, we do not pray that we would be forgiven based on our own work. Positively, we pray that God would forgive us our debts for Jesus' sake. That is, because of what Jesus has done, O God, forgive us our debts. The Catechism makes that plain. Answer question answer 126 says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That is, be pleased for the sake of Christ's blood, not to impute to us poor sinners our transgressions, nor that depravity which always cleaves to us. Christ's blood there stands for his whole life of suffering, but especially his suffering at the cross. Blood is a symbol of death. 
And by his death, Christ paid for our debts. Jesus Christ took all of our sins. Think of this. All of our sins, all of our debts upon himself and suffered the punishment for them in our place. And he himself lived a perfectly righteous life. And his perfect obedience is our perfect obedience before God. So we pray, God, forgive us our debts for Jesus' sake. That is, based on what he has done. Forgive us. Declare to us that our debts are removed from thy sight based on his work. Declare to us that we are perfectly righteous before thee based on his work. And we make that cry desperately. We pray for forgiveness for Jesus' sake Desperately, Think think of the parable that that servant desperately needed forgiveness from the king. If he was not forgiven, his family was going to be sold into slavery. He was going to go into debtor's prison and be tortured. Being under God's wrath in hell is far worse. Far, far worse than that. And that truth weighs upon our conscience when we sin. That that's what we deserve. And so the Christian cries out desperately, Lord, forgive my sins for Jesus' sake. Kids, you pray that even before you go to bed. Forgive my sins for Jesus' sake. God answers that prayer for forgiveness based on what Jesus did at the cross. So we cry out for forgiveness for Jesus' sake, and God answers that prayer for Jesus' sake. God certainly answers this prayer. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Again, that's 1 John 1 verse 9. So when we confess, God declares to our conscience, Forgiven! Your debt is wiped away. You are righteous before me. As though you've perfectly kept the law. Our prayer is answered. Now God does not answer our prayer on the condition that we ask for it. When 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, it does not mean that forgiveness is conditional upon us asking for it. If forgiveness was conditional upon us asking for it, then we would be earning that forgiveness. But we cannot earn forgiveness as sinners, even whose best works are stained with sin. We cannot earn it. 1 John 1 verse 9 means that confession is the God-ordained way in which we receive forgiveness. This is how God works. God gives to us, his people, faith. So that we do cry out to God for forgiveness by his power. And it is in that way that we hear God declare to us, forgiven. We know that forgiveness. And God answers that prayer for Jesus' sake. Christ 
paid for our debts at the cross so that God does not see us as sinners in his sight. And based on that work of Christ at the cross, God answers our prayer then for forgiveness and declares to us that our debt is removed. We've experienced that in our life. You think about even this past week, we sin. We know those sins. We know what we deserve for them. And we cry out, God, forgive me for Jesus' sake. And God declares to us, to our conscience, you are forgiven. You are forgiven for Jesus' sake. Your debt is removed. He makes us to know that in our conscience. He makes us to know that we are rich in righteousness before him based on Christ's work. He makes us to know that we are justified just as he made that, that publican to know that he was justified in Luke chapter 18. And that publican cried out for forgiveness. Lord, have mercy upon me. We read that that publican went to his house justified. He knew that his debt was gone. He knew that he was righteous before God for Christ's sake. God does that with us to praise him. Praise him for that. This fifth petition and the parable... It teaches that those who are forgiven have a resulting determination to forgive others. We see here that those who are forgiven have a resulting determination to forgive others. First, let's see that in light of the fifth petition. The fifth petition says, Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. That last phrase of the fifth petition has to be understood clearly. Forgiving others is not a condition that we fulfill in order to be forgiven by God. If we say that it is, then again we would be saying that we have earned forgiveness in some way. We'd be teaching really works righteousness. By my forgiving others, I earn forgiveness. That's not true according to Scripture. That's wrong. We can't earn that forgiveness. So we have to understand that fifth petition. What, what this last phrase in the fifth petition says is it's really saying what our determination is as those who are forgiven. As those who are forgiven, we have a resulting determination to forgive those who sin against us. Question and answer 126 says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, that is, be pleased for the sake of Christ's blood, not to impute to us poor sinners our transgressions, nor that depravity which always cleaves to us. Even as we feel this evidence of thy grace in us, that it is our firm resolution or determination from the heart to forgive our neighbor. So in his grace, that is in his undeserved favor, God forgives our debts. The Holy Spirit announces to our conscience that our debt is removed. Being forgiven, we are now determined to go forward and forgive those who sin against us. When they confess their sins to us, we 
forgive them. And even when they do not confess, we have a heart that is ready to forgive as those who know God's forgiveness of us. The parable in Matthew 18 really teaches the same thing as that fifth petition. Those who are forgiven seek to forgive. Remember what happened in the parable. This servant, he begged the king, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Well, verse 27 of Matthew 18 says that the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Well, that same servant then went out and found another servant who owed to him a debt, a debt of 400 pence, or excuse me, a debt of 100 pence, which was about four months' worth of wages. And that servant who had just talked to the king, he now went to this servant, this servant who owed him, and he demanded that that servant pay him the debt and pay it now. And that other servant fell down before him and said, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. But the servant refused to forgive his fellow servant of that debt. And what he did is he he took him and threw him into the prison until the debt was paid. When the other servants saw what this servant had done in throwing him into into the prison, they went and told the king, and the king was furious. The king was very angry and said in verse 32, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all the debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant even as I had pity on thee? So the king was angry and he sent that servant to the prison to be tormented. What does that parable mean? This parable seems at first glance to indicate that when we do not forgive others, then God takes our forgiveness away. Someone might be forgiven by God, but then he'll have his forgiveness taken away when he forgives, when he does not forgive someone else. But that's not the meaning. That's not the meaning. To understand any parable, one has to identify one or two main points of comparison and not become distracted by all the details. Every parable of Jesus has one or two main points of comparison to our lives. And the main point of this parable is that the one who has been forgiven forgives others. The fact that the unmerciful servant did not forgive his fellow servant of his debt showed that he had never truly been forgiven by the king. He only appears to be forgiven for the sake of the story. But if he would have been truly forgiven by the king, then he would have forgiven his fellow servant. The servant, what he is a picture of, is a confessing member of the church who says that he knows forgiveness, who confesses Jesus Christ, 
but who doesn't forgive others and holds hatred and bitterness in his heart. He hears the gospel preached. He acts like he knows forgiveness, but he doesn't. And he shows that he doesn't by his refusal to forgive others who have sinned against him. Those who refuse to forgive others clearly do not know the forgiveness of God. Those who are forgiven, they will forgive. They will forgive in thankfulness to God. God has forgiven them, and they know that, so they seek to forgive others as God has called them in thankfulness to God. Being forgiven, let us do that. Let us forgive others as God has forgiven us. Others do sin against us, and they do, in a very real sense, go into debt to us. God has given others the obligation to love us, and when they do not do that, they, in a sense, go into debt to us. When one confesses their sin to you, forgive them as God has forgiven you. Think about the, the, the petition. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That very petition shows that there is a relationship here. There is a relationship here of God's forgiveness of us to our forgiveness of others. And the relationship is this. Forgive as God has forgiven you. To forgive as God forgives means that we do five things. First, It means that when one confesses their sin to you, you declare forgiveness to them. When one says they are sorry, you say, I, you declare to them, I forgive you. (coughs) Second, to forgive as God forgives means that we do not remember that sin and continue to bring it up to them or to others. Third, to forgive as God forgives us means that we do not let that sin hinder our relationship with that person. Holding it against them. We don't let that happen. And fourth, that we forgive as God forgives means that we forgive again and again and again. Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22 We read, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Kids, you know that seventy times seven is a big number. It's a lot of times. The phrase seventy times seven is an expression for unlimited forgiveness. And the idea is that we are to forgive someone when they confess again and again and again and again. We are to do that just as God has forgiven us again and again and again. And fifth, forgiving as God forgives means that when someone does not confess their sin after they have hurt you, you seek them out humbly And seek to bring them to confess. 
That's what God does with us. When we do not confess, He seeks us out and brings us to confess. Well, may we do the same thing with others. Do it humbly. And when they are brought to confess, forgive them. Declare that forgiveness to them. May God strengthen us to remember His forgiveness of us and truly to forgive others. We need that strengthening. It can be so hard truly to forgive others. Think about some of the hurtful words that are said. Said to you. Think about some of the painful deeds that have been done to you. Maybe someone even repeatedly and purposely left you out, young people or children. They left you out. All of ourselves, we don't forgive. We don't truly forgive. We don't forgive as God has forgiven us. The comment was too hurtful. The deed done was too painful. And I may even say that I forgive them, but I still harbor that re- I, I harbor a little bit of bitterness in me. And I do let it hinder my relationship with them. Hold it against them a little bit. That's of myself. May God strengthen us to remember his forgiveness of us today and every day. When you start to make excuses in your mind about why you don't forgive someone or why you still hold a little bit against them, remember God's forgiveness of you. He has forgiven us so many times. We've sinned against God far more times than anyone has sinned against us and we've sinned against God far worse than anyone has sinned against us. Yet He forgives us. He imputes to us the righteousness of Christ. Remember that. By His power, remember that and forgive others as He has forgiven you. May God strengthen us to remember the 10,000 talents that He has forgiven us and see that 100 pence that our brother owes to us as, as nothing. Forgive others. And pray, pray for forgiveness today. Pray, God, forgive my sins for Jesus' sake. Know that forgiveness in your conscience. Go forward with the resulting determination to forgive. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father which art in heaven, we bow humbly before Thee. And we cry out to thee for forgiveness for all of our debts. Declare to us that those debts are wiped away. That we are righteous before thee for Jesus' sake. We pray too that as those who know forgiveness, we may have that resulting determination to forgive others. That resolution to do so. Lord, strengthen us to remember thy forgiveness of us and truly to forgive others. We'll never do that on our own. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.